It's Thursday, April 23rd. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, the House of Representatives is expected to pass the latest major stimulus bill to help small businesses. We'll dive into why getting them the help they need is easier said than done. Then, this week's new unemployment numbers are in, and they're not exactly great. We'll explain why some new industries are starting to be affected. And finally, the state of Georgia is looking to make some major moves to reopen. But not everyone's on board. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Okay, the COVID-19 pandemic is a rapidly changing story with lots of moving parts, and we're gonna help you sort out what exactly you need to know starting with the three big developments of the day. Later tonight, the House of Representatives is expected to pass the latest economic relief package. We told you about the Senate's deal on Tuesday. It includes nearly $500 billion, and most of that money is going towards something called the Paycheck Protection Program. That program is supposed to help small businesses pay their employees and keep the lights on, which is important since about half of American workers are employed by small businesses. But actually getting small businesses to put their names in the hat for this financial lifeline might be easier said than done. The high share of small businesses, they're not applying. This is Zoe Cullen. She's an economist who teaches at Harvard Business School and has been studying COVID-19's effect on small businesses. The reasons they give are not always reasons that are fully justified, such as like, I don't think I qualify. I don't think that the, the government is actually going to forgive the loan, even if I do spend money on payroll. So in addition to passing more funding, Colin says they've got to help get the word out. This calls for outreach. The government and the people who are administering the loans, the banks, could do a lot by reformulating and reframing what the loan is. Kind of like, help me, help you, help me. Because the government wants to help small businesses so they can help the government improve the economy. Win-win. But whether that'll work out is TBD. Our second headline today involves the latest weekly unemployment numbers. Today, the Labor Department announced that 4.4 million Americans filed new unemployment claims in the last week alone. This is the fifth consecutive week of bad news. And now more than 26 million people have filed for unemployment since the COVID-19 shutdown began. And we've also been learning this week that the job situation probably isn't getting better soon. You see, it's earnings season on Wall Street. That's when companies release their quarterly financial reports and investors hear how companies are planning for the future. Turns out, CEOs have been talking about more layoffs. And listen to this from the energy company Halliburton. Additionally, we will make variable headcount adjustments. Variable headcount adjustments. The heads being employees and adjustments being layoffs. Not what you want to hear. And this bad news doesn't just impact people who directly work for these companies. Several businesses said this week they're considering cutting spending or postponing investments. Chipotle is pressing pause on remodeling its stores, and Coca-Cola announced it's canceling a lot of its planned advertising through the end of the year. These announcements are signs new types of workers could soon be hit by the unemployment crisis. At first, it was people who worked in retail stores, restaurants, or the tourism industry who felt the pain. But more and more people, from construction workers to people in advertising, sales, or even software coding, look like they might be affected. Susan Lund is a partner at the consulting firm McKinsey. She says the job situation is going to be different from state to state, but she expects more bad news before any recovery begins. 
What we need to see is when the economy reopens, how many of those people that are unemployed go back to their previous job, how many businesses reopen their doors and get started again. But fasten your seatbelt because the next quarter is going to be a string of very scary uh, reports on the data. Speaking of how and when states are going to open up, our third story today is about Georgia. We're a day away from Georgia, one of the biggest states in the U.S., taking its first steps toward returning to normal life. And that's starting to make some people nervous. I'm deeply concerned about where we are in this state. That's Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms on MSNBC yesterday. Earlier this week, Georgia's governor said some businesses like gyms and nail salons can start opening back up tomorrow. And that made Lance Bottoms and a whole bunch of other Georgia mayors go, huh? Here's why. Georgia has the sixth highest number of COVID-19 hospitalizations in the country right now. Recent reports say some of the state's hospitals are still overwhelmed. And according to one outbreak model, Georgia is still five days away from its hospital seeing the most COVID-19 patients. So it's unclear if Georgia meets White House guidelines, the ones that say a state's caseload needs to consistently decline for two weeks straight before a state starts to reopen. President Trump pushed back on the governor's decision yesterday. I told the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, that I disagree strongly. Georgia might not be the only place where the road to reopening is a little complicated. Today, Montana's governor announced some businesses in his state can reopen next week. And governors in Tennessee, Ohio, and Colorado are planning to lift parts of their stay-at-home orders, too. As we've learned throughout the COVID-19 crisis, governors, not the White House, get to decide when states lift their stay-at-home orders. We learned that because states gave the White House major pushback after Trump tried to say he had the authority to reopen states. Well, that fight's been called. But now we're seeing a new fight develop, fighting within states among local officials like mayors. So if your governor starts to talk about opening back up, don't be surprised if even that's not the final word. Like we said, there's a lot happening right now. To keep up to date on the latest news about COVID-19, head over to theskim.com slash COVID updates. Okay, we're pressing pause on the latest developing stories to talk about the first ever YouTube video. 15 years ago, this happened. All right, so here we are in front of the uh, elephants. A guy in front of elephants. Not a big deal, right? Except that's basically the entirety of the first ever video uploaded to YouTube. It's accumulated over 90 million views over the past 15 years. And it's in good company because what launched in 2005 as a dating site quickly became the web's leading video sharing platform. Today, YouTube says people watch over a billion hours of video on the site every day. And over the years, it's given us some laughs. Anyone remember this one? Cheers. Oh my God, cheers. Okay, we forget why we found that so funny, but it's easy to remember why we found this one so cute. Johnny bit me. Can anyone explain this one? I like rusty spoons. 12 years later, we still can't. We've come a long way since that first YouTube video of elephants at the San Diego Zoo. What's up, guys? Hey, guys. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to my channel. Welcome to YouTube in 2020, home of beauty bloggers and cooking tutorials. If this is what YouTube is like after 15 years, we can't wait to see what TikTok will be like in 2035. 
No matter your situation, sometimes you just need to press pause. And every week, we send out an email with some of our favorite things to help you take a break. To sign up, head on over to theskim.com slash press pause. Before we go, we've got to check our voicemail. Hi, I want to send a message out to the families out there working so hard to support their loved ones with special needs during these hard times. It's Autism Awareness Month, and while our world is strained under the pressure of a global pandemic, the pressures and difficulties of sustaining quality of life and safety and uh, access to necessary therapies for their loved ones with autism grow ever more hard. Our caller is a behavior analyst who works with hundreds of families in Los Angeles, and her team is continuing their work with children throughout the pandemic. The future is never certain, but I want to thank the families continuing to fight for futures of their loved ones with autism and other special needs. And that's all for Skim This. Remember, we want to hear your shout-outs. Maybe it's a message for a friend working on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic, or a loved one who you can't physically meet up with right now. Give us a call at 646-461-6370 and leave us a voicemail. For more updates throughout the day, follow us on Instagram at The Skim.